Please listen carefully. Hello and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm Erin Barton. And I'm Kate Orslan. Remember, Caveat Realtors meant to provide general legal information. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. Hey, Kate. Hey, Erin. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. So what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to take a look at website accessibility. Um, You may remember back in July, we discussed the Americans with Disabilities Act or ADA with relationship to service animals. Oh, that was the the duck in the diaper and the shoes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. That would be that one. Uh, Today, we're going to discuss website accessibility and share some legal updates. Over the past several years, plaintiffs, law firms, and the Department of Justice, or DOJ, have been sending out demand letters with increasing frequency to businesses, including brokerage firms, regarding websites. So these demand letters, as you know, often state that the business owner's website is inaccessible to persons with disabilities and is therefore in violation of Title III of the ADA. So when they get this letter to avoid a potential lawsuit, the business owner is offered a settlement, if you will, where he or she can agree to various things, including usually hiring a website consultant to make the website accessible, making an employee responsible for maintaining the site's accessibility, and providing website training for staff. Uh, Plaintiffs' attorneys' fees and costs are also often included in the settlement. This is a very murky area, and it's definitely still evolving. We've done some education on this in the past. We've um, There was an article in Commonwealth Magazine, and we also have a video online. Starring Aaron. <laughs> the ADA is well-established law, of course, but the courts are currently split on whether an online website alone would be a public accommodation under Title III, meaning that it would be required to be accessible to all people. And the DOJ has stated publicly that it is operating under the assumption that a website does fall under Title III and therefore must be accessible to individuals with disabilities. Now, since we've done this other education, there have been some new court decisions that we want to discuss just to give you an update on where this law is going. First, a court dismissed a case about website accessibility, determining that a website that is wholly unconnected to a physical location is generally not one of public accommodation. Later, we had another court that dismissed a case about website accessibility, alleging that the case violated due process because there are no set legal standards regarding web accessibility for the business to adhere to. And this is one issue that we are hearing about more and more. If there's no legal standard, how can I adhere to it? Right. However, most recently in June of this year, a court held that a retailer was liable for having an inaccessible website. It adopted the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines version 2.0, which we're going to discuss a little bit later in this episode, as the legal standard and stated that the business was responsible for making the entire website accessible, even the parts that were not controlled by the retailer. So this is definitely really important precedent that could have wide-reaching impact. And I believe that's the first case where it actually went to trial, it wasn't dismissed, and the judge issued a written ruling. Is that correct? I, I think that's right. 
Well, currently, the Department of Justice's release of website accessibility guidelines and regulations has been delayed numerous times. Release date is now set for sometime in 2018, as it has been for a while. However, federal agencies have been ordered to comply and have all of their websites accessible by early 2018, and the DOJ is using the WCAG version 2.0 as that standard. Again, we'll talk about that in just a minute. That leaves business owners now without guidelines as to whether their website needs to be accessible, and if it does, what changes need to be made. So this is super confusing. Yeah, I'm already confused. (laughs) It still is confusing, despite the courts that have ruled on it. So how can we help you clear this up, Kate? Let's, let's work through this together. Until all of this settles out in the law, websites are still being targeted. Your best option and providing you with the least risky option is to become familiar with those standards set forth in the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines version 2.0, or which we've kind of started to abbreviate to WCAG 2.0 standards because that's a mouthful. <laughs> so this was established by the World Wide Web Consortium which is the main international standards organization for the World Wide Web. So these are the standards the DOJ has repeatedly relied on in enforcement. And currently, actually, the World Wide Web Consortium has a working group developing version 2.1 of the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. So basically, everyone should familiarize themselves with 2.0. The DOJ wants it. The courts want it. It's not the law. And now they're going to change it pretty standard, right? <laughs> did, I, did I get everything there? Sounds perfect. So what are these WCAG 2.0 standards? Well, the major principles of these guidelines are perceivable, operable, understandable, and robust. So we'll go through each one of those. I have no clue what that means. Well, we, are, just, we are going to explain we'll figure it. figure it out together. Each principle has a number of factors that provide specific guidance. Uh, We're going to look at the principles broadly and just give you a general sense of each one. The documentation online is much more extensive. So the first one we said was perceivable. And this relates to the senses that people use when they're looking at websites. People must be able to perceive your website It cannot be invisible to all of their senses. When an individual has difficulties with one or more of their senses, say a person's not able to see, he or she may use assistive technology to browse the website. These guidelines help you make sure that users can perceive all the information on your website, whether or not they need assistive technology. So the next guideline is operable, and this guideline addresses the actions people take when browsing and covers the different ways in which users browse the web. Users must be able to operate your website, and it cannot require interaction that a user cannot perform. The next one is understandable. Uh, Your website needs to function in a manner that users can understand. There shouldn't be inconsistent or unusual functions. Don't make the forward button go back three pages. People won't understand that. And finally, robust. The content must be strong enough that it can be interpreted reliably by a wide variety of users, including assistive technologies, and it must meet recognized programming standards. Now, that was an awful lot, and like we said, it was on a very broad level. If you do look at the guidelines yourself, uh, it does get much more specific on things that you should be looking for and testing on your website. 
in each, as we stated before, each principle has a number of factors that really breaks it down and provides more specific guidance. So these are just like broad strokes looking at the principles, but really do look at the website, break it down and make sure you understand it. Or if you don't understand it, make sure you talk to someone who does. So now that we have a better idea of these guidelines, what can you do to make sure your website is compliant? Well, you can definitely do an audit of your own website's accessibility. There are vendors out there who do this, but there are also free services and websites online that will test your website. Find out where your website stands now and what changes you could make if necessary. If you're already using a third-party website provider, contact them and ask them if they are familiar with the WCAG 2.0 standards and what steps they have already taken to make your website accessible. Also, you always want to have an option on your website for consumers to contact you directly with any feedback or any problems they may be having using the website. The courts have noted this time after time in their settlement agreements and in their decisions. You need to have a phone number on there, a way for someone to contact you if they are struggling. And finally, stay aware of the issue. Keep an eye out for the regulations in 2018 and always be working toward making your site more accessible, even to the extent that you have a statement on your website that states you are working towards full accessibility and that if anyone has an issue, they should contact you directly. In the unlikely event that you receive one of these demand letters, contact an attorney immediately. Time is definitely of the essence there. Litigation in this area can be very pricey and damages can include attorney's fees, fines, and government monitoring of your business. It sounds expensive. It does. So let's take it to the legal hotline, look at some questions that we've gotten with respect to this. Our first question is, how do I know if my website is adhering to these guidelines? This can be tricky as we discussed. The guidelines are somewhat complicated or there's there's a lot of information attached to these principles. So they're really extensive. To determine whether you're in compliance with these WCAG 2.0 standards, it really may be prudent to consult with a website provider who does understand them and can advise you on how to improve your website. As Erin mentioned earlier, there are also vendors who can test your website and free services online who can help test your website to see the areas in which you can improve upon. So you said there are no current guidelines by the DOJ. If I receive one of those demand letters, can I safely ignore it if there are not regulations in place? Absolutely not. This is super risky. If you get a letter, you should seek legal counsel immediately and work with your attorney on what's the best way to respond to it. You never want to ignore a demand letter from one of these plaintiff's law firms. Our next question, should I start making sure that my website conforms to the guidelines now or wait until the DOJ releases their actual guidelines? It seems like this could be a costly endeavor. This would be a really great question to discuss with your attorney regarding your specific situation. As we mentioned earlier, there are some free services to help determine whether your website is currently accessible or not. In addition, there is definitely some risk to not taking action. If you receive a demand letter, you could face the cost of litigation, which may actually be more expensive than beginning the process of updating your website. And finally, remember your code of ethics, Article 10, where realtors must not deny equal 
professional services to any person for reasons of race, color, religion, sex, handicap, familial status, national origin, sexual orientation, or gender identity, and shall not be party to any plan or agreement to discriminate against people in those categories. So just know there's that code of ethics article and make sure that you're working to adhere to it, especially in the area of website accessibility. So let's summarize some ways that you can limit your risk on this issue. First, like we mentioned, understand the WCAG 2.0 standards or understand that they exist and consult with a website provider who does understand them and can evaluate your website. Make sure there's someone in charge of ensuring website accessibility, having a contact person that can review the site, answer questions, document your attempts at establishing website accessibility. This is very important. The courts want to see that you are you know, acknowledging the issue and working towards having a fully accessible site. Have a written policy on website accessibility, whether if you're a broker, whether that's in your broker policy manual or even individual agents, it's good to have a written statement that you are trying to achieve website accessibility for everyone. Brokers, make sure your independent contractors understand website accessibility, especially in the real estate industry where obviously independent contractors and agents have their own websites. Set up a regular schedule to review your website offerings and whether they confirm to accessibility standards. So do regular audits on the website just to check and make sure if you're adding content or you're adding third-party vendor information that the accessibility is still there. So that is all we have for you today. Thanks, Kate. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates. When we have new episodes, you can search for Virginia Realtors and you'll find us. As a member of Virginia Realtors, you have access to our legal hotline where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the legal tab on the four members section. Thanks so much. Thanks everyone. Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, the legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is general reference work as public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We may note warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2017. This podcast features the song, Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Share-Alike license.